Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Wex Appeal, Barbells, Beats, and Buffoonery. I am your host, Wex, coming to you from the studio, the new and improved studio that I cannot wait to share with you on YouTube once we get our YouTube episodes back up and running. Uh, still fine-tuning a, th- a few things around the uh, around the home office, and it's going to be looking great, but we went ahead and did a whole technology upgrade, so the quality of the show, I am confident, is going to be improving and so much better for you the listener, and I cannot wait to see where we are going to go with this thing. Speaking of where are we going to go, we've got a lot of things to talk about today. Um, Some new segments that I'm going to announce uh, on the show, but I'll announce them after my interview today. Some really big news, and I'm I'm really excited about it, so stick around for after the show so that you can hear the new things that are going to be coming from Wex Appeal Podcast. A lot of like little bite-sized things, and a lot of fun for you, the listener, and also for me, the host. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So definitely stay tuned. Check out what we have after the show today. Um, also, we have some other big announcements uh, to make. I know coming up, for those of you who are in the CrossFit sphere, you know about a competition called Wadapalooza, which happens every year in Miami. It didn't uh, I don't think it happened last year because of COVID and all that sort of thing. But it is happening again. It's the 10th year of Wadapalooza. 2022 in January, and uh, we're going to be there. We're going to be down there, and uh, not sure what capacity just yet, whether it's going to be volunteer or it's going to be on the media staff, but I will have some exclusive content just for you, the listeners, and for those of you who are big fans of CrossFit who follow this show, you will be super happy to hear those things, as I will be. It's going to be a lot of fun. What do we have today? So today I have a guest on the show who is actually a personal friend of mine as well. And uh, he has a podcast that is garnering thousands upon thousands of listens. And if you have not listened to it yet, you're going to get the information on where to go to listen to that podcast. But my guest today is Mr. James Gearing. And he is, like I said, a personal friend of mine, but he is a podcast host of the hugely popular Behind the Shield podcast. And that podcast delves into the realm of first responders and the unspoken, well, more spoken now because of his show, but the unspoken thing that is going on, the pandemic that's happening in first responders, whether it be fire department, police department, of suicide and PTSD. A lot of things that have taken our first responders too soon. Um, He wrote a book. He's actually an author as well. I read the book and I didn't even get to the first chapter and I was already in tears. It was, it's, it's an amazing story about someone who is a firefighter telling someone who doesn't realize what first responders go through on a day to day basis. They never know if their next call is going to be their last call or if that next call is going to be someone's last breath and the things that they see while they are out doing a public service for all of us. And then they have to somehow compartmentalize that and come home to their families and not put that pressure on their families who are at home, who don't have to see those things. And it is, it is a lot of pressure. It is, it is, it's, it's horrifying to hear some of the stories that you hear, whether it be from car accidents or whether it be from crime-related things or suicide or accidents. It is, it's just horrific to see the things that go on in this world that our first responders are just expected to deal with 
and many times deal with, I'm sorry, very, very underpaid in what they do. So his podcast brings a lot of light to that as far as what they do as uh, as first responders and what they see and, and how they have to kind of prepare themselves mentally, spiritually, physically to do the job that they do day in and day in and day out that I think all of us at one point or another in our lives has taken for granted the job that they do. So that is my guest today. He is, um, as I said, a podcast host, Behind the Shield podcast. If you haven't checked it out, go check that out. He is also, he has the Behind the Shield um, Instagram as well. So go Behind the Shield podcast on Instagram. And he also has a book, One More Light. um, And it is all about the life of a first responder from his own point of view, as he is a retired firefighter, firefighter himself. So I really hope that th- this this interview was packed full of all sorts of things. We laughed. We talked about serious subjects. We talked about ridiculousness because this is Barbell's Beats and Buffoonery. We talked about fitness, um, fitness and the first responders and just life in general. We talked about things with the pandemic. I, I mean, we ran the whole gambit on this, on this uh, podcast. So I hope that you enjoy. Short message from our sponsor, and we're going to get right into it with James Gearing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today my guest, I'm actually sitting on his couch here in his house. We're doing it in person, and I, I, I like the in-person uh, meetings. My guest today is James Gearing. He is an author. He is podcast host, former retired, fire, retired now, I can officially say firefighter, um, among other things. But man, how are you doing? And uh, kind of for those of you know who haven't are kind of coming in contact with you for the first time through this podcast, tell a little bit about your background and, and where you come from. All right. Well, yeah, we, uh, I said we recorded this again, but because um, my son was making noise in the background. But <laughs> as I mentioned before, last time when you were in front of me with a microphone in your hand with DJing at my wedding, and there was a lot of uh, drunken tomfoolery going on. Um, but no, as far as my background, I was born and bred in the UK, in England. Um, moved over here after I would married my son's mother um, and I had always wanted to become a firefighter when I was little but um, very long story short I was told I was colorblind when I was in high school age when they do the medical and was told I could never be a firefighter or a or a fighter pilot or anything that was cool so fumbled around for a long time um, ended up moving over to the US and basically challenged the test very long story short so Became a firefighter in Florida, worked there for a bit, then went out to the West Coast, worked as a firefighter in California for a few years, and then spent the last 10 years of my career in the Orlando area. Awesome. And as I said, as you said, I was the DJ at your wedding, which, how many years is that now? That's four? God, don't ask me. Four, I think five, it was six. Six? I think. Something, something like that. It's Becky been a- here. So this, is, this is not my son's mother, but I was divorced and <laughs> there. Uh, married our mutual friend yes <laughs> yes i actually know your wife longer than i've known you yes. i've known her yeah. oh gosh I, I don't even want to guess it at how long that 
how long I've known her, um, at least as long as I've known my wife too. So we're all, we're all friends. And, uh, you know, so I got to DJ the wedding. That was a lot of fun. You got to, uh, you know, show your, your piano and singing, um, <laughs> yeah, not talent, piano and singing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and as you said, there was, uh, there was some buffoonery that went on with, with the groomsmen and I, I, I don't even remember the song, but it was uh, shipping up to Boston. Yes. And the dancing was definitely reminiscent of Michael Flatley. That's all I remember. And I almost tore my groin. Those, <laughs> those were the, uh, the highlights that stick out of my, my hungover state. Oh, but it was a beautiful wedding. I, I will say that. It was fantastic. My Both my daughters were, were flower girls in the they wedding. Were. Uh, we still have those pictures. It, it was beautiful. Uh, but, man, you know, you just recently released a book. And as I said, you are the host of Behind the Shield podcast. So if you're listening to this, definitely go press pause, go subscribe. Um, and where can you find Behind the Shield currently? You can find it pretty much everywhere on, yeah. uh, on yeah. Apple, Google, Spotify, all the all the local haunts. Someone someone pointed out that it's not available on Amazon. I think it was, or I know it's not on Audible. I don't think either. But all the okay. regular podcast ones, I, yeah, iTunes, all those. Yeah, you know. So. It, it, I think it's the big ones that I've found are Apple, Spotify, and Google. And yeah. I think we both are on on both of those. So, um, as far as that show and and really how you evolved into that, and then we'll get into the the author, you know, the author persona. But tell people a little bit about where the show came from and if if someone has not listened to it before what are they looking at you know when they when they dial you up and, and listen to a, a an episode and i've listened to quite a few but i like to hear from the from the person you know that has uh that has created it your your thoughts behind it so i'll give you the the backstory of it because that really kind of sets up what it is and why it is but um at about 10 years into my career um you know when we think of law enforcement or fire you know dying you think of a gun battle or you know a structure fire that collapses but the reality is, is there's a lot of things behind the scenes that kill far more of us than than what we call line of duty deaths yeah so i had a horrific couple of years where we lost six of our friends you know went to six funerals to the point where i can't stand bagpipes anymore um and i was a big fan of podcasts i listened to barbell shrugged the uh, the original crew oh yeah um, before chris passed away um and you know joe rogan and tim ferris and um there's one called the squad room which is a, a police officer in california so that i credit credit them absolutely with the journey that i went on but i basically was looking for a wellness podcast that addressed the fire service mm -hmm. and i really couldn't find one to the point where even a couple of the the people that were on the professions podcasts that were hailing as wellness experts, some of the stuff they were saying just wasn't right. Mm. And just to kind of preface that, my, my history, not that I'm an expert at all, but I, I did ex-phys in London University, mm -hmm. um, University of North London, and then um, you know, in UF here, um, I've been an athlete, I've been a coach. So I knew enough to know out in the real world what was good advice and what was not good advice. Um, so not being able to find the podcast, I realized, okay, well, this is your sign to, to create it yourself. Sure. But I didn't want to be that guy monologuing, you know, masquerading as an expert. I wanted to find the real experts in these fields yeah. and bring them to this audience. So I was very, very lucky that when I started reaching out to people, I think our profession 
is respected in a way where people wanted to help. Mm-hmm. So I had some pretty, you know, amazing people from, you know, Sebastian Junger to Tim Kennedy and, you know, some of these amazing early, early guests say yes right off the bat. Yeah. So that was it, really. It was just finding all the leaders in, in mental wellness, physical wellness, um, a lot of powerful stories of people who have been through adversity, um, stories of kindness and compassion, and just bringing that human element from behind, you know, behind the shield, behind the badge. Yeah. Um, so that we're not masquerading as superheroes, but addressing the the human being in the uniform. Yeah, and and I love that. And and from listening to you know a lot of the episodes, and even you know from the early episodes, kind of that theme that it, it it's very important that it's not just for those in law enforcement. Those it's not just for first responders. Really, anyone can listen to it and pull things from it because although first responders are on the front lines and and seeing all those things that are you know really the worst of all society um those who aren't in those situations still deal with things not on the same level but they can still pull from it and that's one of the things i mean i've i've never been a first responder you know obviously or you know or been in military or anything like that but i could still see the humanity behind it and and hear the heart behind it and that was what i really appreciated you know when listening to the podcast um what are some things that you know and you and i run in kind of some of the same circles with with you know the crossfit and and being a you know being a crossfit coach um what are some similarities that you see kind of in in that world with the first responder world and i know they tie very closely um i know a lot of um a lot of you know, first responders do CrossFit, um, maybe not as many as should. Um, and that's some of the things that you've covered in, in the podcast as well. Um, but what are some similarities you see in those, you know, two kind of realms? In the... Between CrossFit and... Between CrossFit and the, the mindset of an athlete versus the mindset of, you know, somebody who is a first responder. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that's a very, very good question. So... A couple of things. I mean, you know, absolutely, fitness is is so important for that profession. You know, the tactical professions, yeah. um, and it doesn't have to be CrossFit, but it has to be something that prepares you for the job. And I think mm-hmm. CrossFit is definitely one of those tools. But I think where it really parallels are areas that people don't think as much. Um, firstly, is community, especially now what we've been through this last year. Yeah. You take, especially the fire service, so you have you know a band of brothers and sisters that live in this building every third day or whatever their shift cycle is. Um, you know that that's their tribe, and when when they're cohesive, it's very very healing. Well, mm-hmm. I feel that's the same with a CrossFit box. You know, if you've got a good gym run by good coaches and you know members that are there for the right reasons, that's another family. You know, and as, as you were talking about yeah. being sent a work a workout <laughs> from yours today, yeah. you know we we spend. A lot of our holidays working out together. We've got Down for Donuts coming up, which is yep. Down Syndrome fundraiser, and you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that my gym does for the first responder community, whether it's fundraisers, whether it's you know hero awards. Um, so there's that cross pollination. Another thing that I think is really important though is putting yourself in a horrible place. Mm-hmm. So you take a firefighter. I just released a, a interview earlier this week with a guy who fell through a roof as a, as a mm-hmm. probationary firefighter. Um, he actually was a CrossFitter. Um, his department trained diligently, which is fantastic because he's here today because of that. But he had to go to a dark place. He basically crawled the the, the one side of the roof collapsed. So it was at a forty five degrees. So okay. he had to 
have the you know the the mindset to to be relaxed activate his emergency alarm and he actually found his way to the roof and crawled his way back up oh, wow. to safety um so when you do some of these horrific workouts and it shouldn't be all the time because we need to think about recovery when we're on shift you know seat deprivation is, is the enemy of, of fitness and wellness um when you're when you're pushing yourself to that horrible place and you're able to push further that is absolutely imperative when you're you know fire police corrections military and i don't think you can really do that very easily on your own in the ymca or you know in a racquetball court yeah even though those are great places to get fit to really forge that mindset of being comfortable being uncomfortable mm-hmm. um i find me personally this the strongman stuff and the crossfit stuff you can take yourself to a horrific place mentally and, and test yourself and you know really really hold a mirror up to where you are that day yeah and, and that's some of the things I and we actually have um, I don't think you can go to a CrossFit box and not find a first responder in one way or another, either, a you know, a, a police officer or, you know, fire department. And um, I was actually having a conversation with one of our members just the other day. His he was on probationary as well. And in one of his ver- very first probationary calls was um, it was a police chase, uh, a vehicle chase. And when they arrived on this, when they chase this car as far as it would go and the person got out they fired on him so his one of his very first um times out in the field he's getting literally shot at and um you know and having to have that mindset of okay where do i go what do i do and you know it's a, a little bit when that adrenaline's pumping and and you you kind of in that overblown state of you know hyper awareness is like okay every move i make now is going to determine whether or not I walk away. Um, and I think, you know, obviously, you know, police have a whole different set of, of challenges. Um, they are not necessarily the ones running into actually burning, you know, actual burning buildings like firefighters. But I see, you know, still being able to function in a state that they're not used to. Um, where, you know, a lot of times, you know, and you, you, you know, this, you get into a workout and you're halfway into it, you look up the clock and you're just like, oh my gosh, there's so much more to do. What do I, you know, what do I do next? And being able to just kind of hit that second, that second level and be able to push through, um, I think is, is hugely important. Um, and having a mindset to always be able to step up to that challenge is, uh, is, is I think important. Unfortunately, and I think you've addressed this, you know, quite a bit in, in your podcast is that not all departments hold those standards. So what are some things that you've seen, you know, recently either encouraging or discouraging? I mean, kind of on the positive or the negative side um, with people that you've talked to in conversations and, and things that, you know, departments are just needing desperately. Yeah, well, there is a, there is a spectrum and I think there are some departments doing things very well so i always speak to the ones that aren't mm-hmm. because if you are then there's nothing to say sure you know you're already holding holding standards and providing an environment that allows people to thrive um but what we see and i can speak more for fire is there is a, a opposition to maintaining standards after someone gets hired so you might take what we call a cpat which is you know, it's it's not exactly a crushing 
physical test. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better than, you know, 20 push-ups and 10 jumping jacks. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the, the time that you're allowed to do this, this, this test in is, you know, you can basically walk through the whole thing and still pass. Um, but where the issue really is, is once we get hired, there's an opposition to an annual fitness test. Now, if we, if we were a PJ or a SEAL or a Ranger or a member of the SAS, yeah. you have, you know, annual tests. And if you fail, then you're not on the team anymore. Or, you know, obviously you, you can train back up, but yeah, you're held to that standard. Um, and, and, and even with that, those, those departments also are doing things daily. Like, I mean, so a lot of their training, you know, part of their day is training every single day for, you know, for the special forces and yeah. things like that. Like my brother, um, my little brother, um, I say little brother, he's, I'm 10 years older than him, but he was uh, Marine recon literally could kill me in his sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's, he's, he's awesome. But you know, so much of his day was just training. Like, you know, and you know, like you said, um, if you, if you're not training, you're not on the team. Yeah. But you know, going, going back to the, the departments, yeah, well, exactly though. So, so what your brother understands is lives are at stake when it comes to his fitness, you know? So that's what, that concept to me should be all it takes, but that isn't the case. So you have this ownership. So you have mm-hmm. men and women that walk in the door and join these professions that you think they would just get it for the rest of their career. Mm-hmm. Now, some of us do and mm-hmm. still train diligently. And, and you'll see that in you know, a lot of the gyms around here are the fire police corrections yep. who, who just get it. But then there's a large portion where they're kind of on the fence. And if they're in an environment that discourages that, then they'll find themselves slipping behind. Mm-hmm. And so that's my argument is if we encourage it and hold that bar high, many of those, those middle people are gonna be a lot fitter and stronger. But what you also get is, is unions opposing annual mm. fitness standards, which is insane because they're yeah. supposed to be protecting the well-being of their people. Um, so what kind of the, the approach I take with, with the podcast is not shaming those that aren't holding the bar, Sure, is educating some of the challenges. So as I mentioned before, shift work, seat deprivation, this, as you said about applying to different professions, this applies to doctors and nurses and mm-hmm. factory workers and you know dispatchers and anyone who's you know, spending hours either not moving or certainly not, not sleeping. Yeah. Um, that destroys a human body. And so that's why you see some of these out of shape firefighters, medics, police officers, because they're that middle group that, in my opinion, if they had um, an environment that encouraged them to thrive, that would be enough for them to, to stay in shape. Maybe, you know, working shorter work weeks mm-hmm. to allow for more time for recovery. Um, but then you get that portion that just, you know, should never have been in the job in the first place and has no desire to, to stay in shape. And those are the yeah. ones you don't want showing up to your family after you call 911. Yeah. Um, so so, that, so that's not a conundrum. It's not complicated, but it's something that frustrates me is, and I talk about this a lot, you know, if, if you get cabinets fitted in your house mm-hmm. and the guy doesn't take his job seriously, well, your cabinets are wonky. Yeah. That's it. If a paramedic comes and works on your child and don't take your job seriously, your child's dead. Yeah. The firefighter can't write to get to the top of the high rise where you live. Your family's dead. And the police officer is, you know, only pulled his weapon once to train in, in a range and fire six shots. And he pulls over your teenager and he goes to get his license out of the glove box and he panics and shoots him. Now your yeah. child's dead. You know what I mean? So I don't think we should have anywhere near the tolerance for 
the opposition of fitness standards in our professions as has been allowed to happen. Yeah. And you know, when I speak to for all these special um, special operations guests that I have, they all hold our professions to the same level that they do themselves. Yeah. So they're all appalled that we don't have those standards. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. I try and walk the walk. But you know, if you're if you're in a profession where lives aren't at stake, you know, you're bagging at, at Publix, and you drop someone's apples, well, you know, okay, not a big deal. <laughs> if you're in a profession yeah. where lives are at stake, you have to train like you're in the special operations, in my opinion. Well, and going even further than that, just with what we've gone through in the past year, when it comes to, and I I don't want to turn it into the whole you know the whole racial thing, but it, with the racial things that have been going on in our country. A lot of it's just based on people not being trained. Um, you see these, you know, you see these cops that, like you said, panics. He hasn't pulled his gun in how long, uh, you know, except to you know shoot a couple down the range for a test that he took a year ago, and panics, pulls his gun, and you know, and shoots somebody, and you know, you can say it's because of you know a you know one thing or another. But regardless of the color of the person's skin, if they're fright, if if the police officer is frightened, and in my opinion, if they're trained, they shouldn't necessarily not to say they shouldn't have fear, um, but they should also have confidence with that fear, um, confidence in that they have trained and they are prepared for every single situation, and that goes beyond to me the color of the skin and 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 things like that. That that is just a lack of training. Um, I was actually listening to a podcast with one of your former guests, uh, Jocko Wilnick, uh, where he was talking about um, how, you know, police should be on like a three day, you know, three day on one day training every week, you know, where they're on for three days. But one of the, you know, but that fourth day is going to be a training day, Mm -hmm. whether or not they're doing, you know, mixed martial arts or gun training or, you know, some sort of training each and every week, you know, instead of just being, like you said, sleep deprived, handed a gun and <laughs> here you go, have, have, have at it, protect and serve. Yeah, no, what exactly. And Jocko is a, you know, obviously a SEAL and you know, a leader yeah. within the SEAL teams. But I mean, I think that's it. So with, you know, with what you said about what we saw this last year, obviously, firstly, something also needs to be said is if you resist arrest, you're asking yeah. for things to get worse of you course know? so in, of course. initially right in the defense of anyone who when there's escalation by police and i'm not talking about the one that did everything right and still got shot i'm talking about yeah. some of these gray area ones if you're resisting and you're going for an officer's gun then you know right there i, th- I think it's 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 unfair to blame an officer when they were being wrestled and someone was going for their gun before yeah. they got shot you Absolutely. know what i mean so but then you create an environment, you know, that, that they're in. There are some people wearing all uniforms that have no business being there. So yeah. that goes to hiring practices, which is another thing that I talk about. It should be hard for me to be a firefighter, for someone to be a police officer. You know, it should be well paid, you know, good benefits, and you have to compete for that position. And what we're seeing, especially in law enforcement at the moment, who wants to be a cop at the moment? Yeah. So, you know, we're adding to the problem where some departments are lowering standards, opening the doors just to get people in. What we need to have is the polar opposite. And I agree with Jocko, and we talked about this, is, you know, if, if I'm going to give someone a gun and allow them to walk in my community around my, you know, my family and my kids, that person needs to, again, think like a special operations. They need to be mm-hmm. trained that way. So I've had you know, officers on who 
totally walked the walk. Um, Jay uh, was in, um, not NYPD, he was NYPD, but he's a um, New York State police officer. Okay. CrossFit phenom. Yes. I mean, this guy's, you know, Jason Lacayo. Um, but, you know, when you take someone like this who's walks the walk, you know, a lot of these people that do the, the martial arts, that is also a deterrent. You know, when they walk up on scene, you know, Ronnie Coleman, I don't think Ronnie had to wrestle too many people. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? They looked at him and were like, how the, nah, I'm not even going to try. Yeah. You know, so you've got the physical prowess. You've got that, that projection when you're a good martial artist. So that's mm -hmm. a de-escalation thing. You have the communication element, learning to talk to people, not patronizing, not escalating the situation because you're a douchebag wearing a uniform. Yeah. You know, all those things come into play. And I think we've all met them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, my, my son went to a freaking site war because of one of them. Yeah. He works in our schools. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, and I talk about that a lot because it needs yeah. to be spoken to as well. All our children getting sent to site wards so schools can wash their hands of any sort of emotional problem. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> but yeah, so, so that's just it. The, you know, we do need to hold the bar high and we need to reward when that bar is held high, you know? Yeah. So, but then, you know, factoring that also from the other side in the community, some of these people that we see that are in these videos, if they, you know, end up hurting a police officer or if they get hurt or killed themselves, if we have CrossFit, if we have martial arts in communities, in schools, mm -hmm. then we lessen the chance of crime that way as well. Yeah. And I'm not pointing at any particular, you know, yeah. group of people. Of course. But in general, you're going to have less bullying, you know, and then obviously as they grow up, less of this peacocking and less mm -hmm. of this you know disrespect of law enforcement so i think crossfit and martial arts can help in law enforcement i think it can help outside as well yeah and and one of the things i used to i well i still teach my children um and i i i used to teach um, middle school at our church we did you know i did um you know youth worked with youth and i would teach them you know one of the things that we taught was um the ability, you know, having power isn't necessarily just being being strong. Having power is also knowing when to not use it. And that's a lot about what, you know, about discipline with the mixed martial arts. And I'm trying to think of the, there's a word in particular I used to use that um, it, it, it would, you know, although I have the power to hurt someone, the real power is not using it. Mm -hmm. and being able to fix the situation without using that power. Um, just like, you know, if I'm wrestling around with my four-year-old, I'm obviously not, you know, have no worries that he's going to hurt me unless, you know, he headbutts me accidentally, mm -hmm. <laughs> or, you know, or does something. But I can easily overpower him at any, at, at any turn because I know that I am stronger than him. But you have you know, first responders going into situations where they're not trained um, or not trained to the extent and they walk into a situation and they're going to get their bell rung because they're not prepared for it. Me personally, I can't, I can't see how somebody would want to be a police officer or, or a firefighter and not train in such a way that, you know, lends to their job being easy. I mean, that only makes their job easier when they can walk into any situation and know that whether that guy has a gun or not, I can take care of that without a gun. You know, I can I can disarm that, you know, just by talking to them. Uh, I can I can disarm that because I know how he's going to move. I have studied the body so well, you know, through through training that these issues aren't 
they're not they're no longer issues it's not escalated anymore because they have all the power but too many times i think we're you know the power is given to you know everyone else you know who are the perpetrators of of said crime or whatever you know situation they're walking into and they feel defenseless to me that's not the cop i want showing up at my door well just to just to interject (laughs) for a second as well is when if you call 911 now how many cops are going to show up in a single cop car yeah one yeah okay so say i happen to be you know six foot six and 280 pounds Mm -hmm. and someone my who my actual size walks in as a cop are you deterred no and i'm in shape but i'm a shitload smaller than you are so my whole thing is i think it's disgusting that we have allowed one person to a car Mm -hmm. it used to be two yeah and then budget cuts and you know we'll just have more cars and you know no you shouldn't send a human being on their own to a domestic to all these things this is why we end up losing so many police officers not this to is mention, why they feel outgunned. Not to mention, generally, if you're calling somebody, if you're calling a cop somewhere, there's more than one person they're going to deal with. Probably, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, they're outnumbered. there's not one person just hanging out that's going to call the cops on himself. You know, yeah. <laughs> there, there's there's a situation that is happening. Exactly. Um, to send one person into that situation, like you said, is, yeah. is crazy. So you know, to me, a deterrent is two, because yeah. even if you go for one, you've got another one covering them, whether it's a shooting, whether it's physically, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot easier to handcuff with two people than it is with one. And that's yeah. the ultimate goal is to restrain that person. That means handcuffing them. So yeah. you've got two fit police officers that have good communication skills and understand, mm-hmm. you know, grappling. Then it's going to be very quickly de-escalated, yeah. you know. So that's the thing is that we can't pay these officers almost nothing, have skeleton staffing and expect, expect them to perform the level they need to. Yeah. Now, do I think that every, you know, um, person that was, uh, you know, ended up dying through, you know, because of police was the person's fault, whatever. No, there was, you know, George Floyd's and things like that that yep. we know was a complete disregard for, for that badge. I don't think those people woke up thinking they were going to murder someone that day, but yeah. you know, it, it, it just devolved to that point. But we can set our people up for success or set them up for failure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you wouldn't send a, you wouldn't send a firefighter alone to a call either. some places do some people say, oh, yeah gosh. some volunteer places i've seen there's one um into the fire it was a history channel documentary and in, in the 80s this guy showed up to a structure fire and he was driving the ladder and he oh was on his gosh. own you know and it, it was 20 years later i think he was telling the story and he was still in tears because he couldn't do anything yeah there were, there were wires and he was on his own so yeah this i mean we there are volunteer fire departments and paid on call fire departments where they do exactly that in you know america in 2021 there shouldn't be volunteer departments anymore everyone should be paid unless you're out in the absolute boonies somewhere and even then you know i think it should be a federal delivery service but yeah yeah, i mean we're we're not in the 1800s anymore it's insane well and that's and that you know goes back to the the pay as well i mean the pain is the pay is atrocious to me the 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 pay and, and what they what they pay first responders firefighters police officers i think is atrocious um, which is why you have them, you know, leaving, you know, you have good cops and good firefighters leaving to go other places because of money, mm-hmm. which I, you know, personally don't think that should ever be an issue. Yeah. If, well, locally if, if here, you're putting your life, if like you're where, put, yeah. where I used to work in California, we were well paid. You know, we yeah. really were, I, I had no qualms with my pay there. When I moved back to Florida, I think the Marion County firefighter EMTs were making $9.50 an hour. Yeah. And that was only 
you know, 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. As you, I think that stayed for several years before they finally got. So that's that's disgusting. You're yeah. going to risk your life and you're going to, you know, do the EMS stuff for $9.50 an hour. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. And so it shows that the priorities are completely backwards. Well, and that was the big, that was the big to do when, uh, when they started talking about the minimum wage increase. And, oh, we work at McDonald's and we should make $15 an hour. You got people on an EMS truck making nine, which it's just, shouldn't even those two things shouldn't even yeah but but here's the thing though it had had they been paying their fire and ems properly there wouldn't be that comparison exactly you know what i mean but the problem was they were paying the responders so poorly that that was the kickback yeah you know and it's like the reality is you know everyone if you're going to stand up and work for 40 hours for a company you should be able to feed your family absolutely i'm I'm all about you know paying what people were worth but if someone's going to run into a burning building or cut you out of a car, mm-hmm. they need to be paid accordingly, especially when they're staying up all night, every third day for 10, 20, 30 years of their life. Yeah. And then, and not guaranteed to come home. No, exactly. You know, you have a family at home that doesn't know if, you know, the, the next time you walk out of the door, that's the last time they see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so just that hanging over the family, I, I, just that alone. I mean, just everything with, with, you know, what first response first responders are paid i think definitely should be like you said a federal just take care of it yeah get it, you know yeah. these are the people on the front lines absolutely and they should be able to my thing is this you should be able to you know have a good living and then if you want a lifted truck or a ski boat or whatever then yeah you know go work a second job don't work yeah. at night though work you know hang drywall whatever but the fact that so many responders around the country take a second job because they have to yeah. just to pay their mortgage and insurance and all that stuff that, you know, in certain areas, like I said, I worked for one department where I was paid exactly, I think, what we should have been paid. Sure. Um, you know, everyone else needs to catch up to that. Yeah. So the podcast, uh, I mean, we, we kind of go, we, we, well, we were talking about the podcast. Actually, let's jump to the book. So, you know, we're you're four years in on the podcast now, right? Uh, and you just released a book not that long ago. When uh, when did that finally come out? Uh, I think the the actual paper one came out in September, and audio book actually dropped this month, February. Yes, and your friend Josh Brolin. Yeah. If, uh, if you don't know, uh, you know who Josh Brolin is. You're <laughs> hiding under a rock. Um, a lot of my pe- a lot of the people listen to me like Marvel, so you know Thanos. Mm-hmm. You know that's, it, that's pretty much a go to. <laughs> that's the go to, or uh, Deadpool two. You know he was he was on that as well. Or the Goonies. Uh, or the Goonies. I mean that's <laughs> that's just that's classic. Um, I love I, 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 little side story with Goonies. Uh, we were I think we I was flipping through the channels one day and Goonies was on. And uh, this is oh, easily like six, probably about seven years ago. And uh, Goonies was on. I was like, oh, I love this movie. And my wife was like, oh, I've never seen it. We almost, <laughs> that almost ended the relationship <laughs> right there. We got up, went to Walmart, bought it on DVD, came home, watched it. And, you know, all is good. We're, <laughs> the, the house is good. Um, but, okay, so you, you've just released the, the book. Um, you, sorry, you said how long ago? Uh, September. September. Yeah. Okay. And that can be found? Um, Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, I did the whole Amazon publishing route. Yeah. So, yeah. That's actually, that's how I got it. So, <laughs> and, uh, and I was telling you, you know, before we, before we hit record that, uh, I've, I've gotten through a little bit of the, you know, the beginning of it. Um, I, I'm, I'm bad about reading. I'm, I'm horrible at reading. Um, not, not particularly like just sitting down and reading a mm-hmm. book. 
Uh, so this year I've tried to commit to sitting down and actually reading, you know, reading books instead of just like listening to audiobooks or, or podcasts or things like that, trying to just sit down, center myself and read. So I literally got, I didn't even get to the first chapter. I got through the, the forward and your introduction and I was already just like welling up in tears. Uh, so it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long journey. I think, <laughs> I think with your book, um, take it in small pieces, but tell a little bit about, you know, kind of what's behind the book, um, you know, your, your thoughts behind it and, uh, you know, kind of what inspired you to, to write it. I mean, similar to, you know, I'm sure, you know, with the podcast. Yeah. So the book's called one more light, uh, life, death and humanity through a firefighter's eyes. Or through the eyes of the firefighter. I forget what the <laughs> what it's called. I'm like I have it right here. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so very long story short, right when I started the um, the podcast, I wrote. A f I started writing blogs. I'd never written before, but there were just some things going on. There was one like we had the the suicide epidemic really flaring up. Did I get it right, by the way? Uh, yeah, uh, life, death, and humanity through the eyes of a firefighter. Okay, there you All go. All right, and it was one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, and this blog, this one on mental health, which, um, I quoted a firefighter from a documentary called burn. Mm -hmm. Uh, he said, I wish my head could forget what my eyes have seen, mm -hmm. which is so pertinent. So I wrote this, this piece on that and it got, God, it went, it got read like 200,000 times something. Oh, wow. Um, so I was like, oh wow. Okay. Well there's, there's something here. So I started adding blogs to the website that the podcast is on just my thoughts, nothing, you know, groundbreaking, but. And they seem to be well received. So as time went on, I'm like, well, you know, maybe one day I'll actually, you know, expand on these and, and put them into a book. Um, so it took about, you know, really about almost four years before I started writing three and a half years. But um, uh, I just kind of wanted to use storytelling from my own career, my own life and then apply kind of lessons learned. So rather than have, oh, James's guide to, you know, being awesome, which is complete <laughs> rubbish because I don't have any answers, I wanted to sow seeds in what I'd learned. So some yeah. stories about how I'd applied wellness that had changed my health, like a back injury, for example. Mm -hmm. um, some of the things that I'd seen, for example, like addiction, where mm -hmm. my own friends, who's actually a CrossFit coach as well, who went through, a, you know, alcoholism and near suicide and now is doing incredibly well. And, you know, some of the... The uh, the policies on drug prohibition that have had a domino effect of so many you know deaths in this mm -hmm. country, um, the obesity through what we see as a paramedic, you know, seeing these people that we you know throw a yellow sheet over that have got tens of thousands of dollars worth of meds and they still died at fifty years old, yeah. you know, yeah. Just so, just really, we, we get to see through a very different lens. We get to pull behind the you know peer behind the curtain, as it mm -hmm. were. So I wanted to use that to storytell and just you know get people thinking like i said it's not a how-to it's not a self-help it's looking through a different set of eyeballs and kind of reframing the way that we've been taught because some of the things that we've been taught since we were young are great and some of them are completely wrong i mean mm -hmm. look at you know fitness like the the old bodybuilding stuff but oh, this let me rephrase that the modern bodybuilding stuff all on machines doesn't apply very well to the tactical athlete. You yeah. know, we pick things up, we drag, we push, we pull, we climb. We yep. don't do that from a creature curl machine. You know, the nutrition. You know, we were taught to eat bowls of pasta and all that stuff when we were young, carb up. You know, yep. and now we realize that's complete crap too. So, um, you know, there, there's there's a lot of that. Just just the the you know the 
the things that we see, some of the tragedies that we see, trying to learn from it rather than mm -hmm. just accepting it as a norm. So that was that was kind of what I did. And then, as you mentioned, Josh was so so kind and wrote this you know incredible artistic articulate forward. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then and then he um, narrates the forward on the audiobook, so I have to follow one of the best voices in Hollywood with my squeaky <laughs> English voice. <laughs> so well, it's funny because I because I'm reading as I'm reading through it and reading it through his forward and and your introduction, like I do hear it. Because I know you, like I hear you in in your voice, but I also hear him in his voice. And it's like, I it's it's funny when you've heard the people who are actually writing things. And I've I've read books where I don't know who the author is, never like seen them or heard them or anything like that. And you just kind of make up your own dialogue in your head of how they sound. Um, but it, it's funny uh, the the other book that I'm reading as well um, is uh, uh, Derek Levasseur. Um, the undercover edge and he's so he he's taking perspective from basically how to succeed as as a from a cop standpoint from a from a detective and um you know so it's funny i've i've gotten you know january's you know police officer book february you know march is going to be firefighter so i'm kind of hitting hit both of those just kind of unknowingly but i hear those books in those voices and you can kind of hear those tones so i actually i prefer it I like it similar as to, you know, when I read fiction movies, but I've seen the or fiction books, but I've seen the movie to it. So I take those actors and yeah, <laughs> kind of, really nice. yeah, kind of plug them in as well. So it's, it, it's funny, but you know, like I said, so far, just in the first few pages of the book immediately draws you in. I'm trying to think, <laughs> trying to think how I started it. Okay. Okay, so as I was reading through, it's funny, you know, that you were talking about Josh narrating. I hear, you know, when I'm listening, when I'm reading a book and, and there's people that I know that wrote it, I hear it in their voices. So, of course, I hear Josh in his, in his Thanos voice. I, I hear you because I know you, um, you know, and in the other books that I've, I've read, you know, similar to like when I'm, you know, listening to what, reading a book, reading a novel of a movie that I've seen. I hear it in those character voices. So I think it's, it's been cool to, you know, uh, it gives it, it gives it more personality to me. It's, it's a little bit more fresh than, than reading it and hearing it in whatever voice I create in my own head. <laughs> yeah, no, it's unique. It was funny with, um, with audiobooks too. Like I, I love podcasts. I love, especially, you know, what we're doing, the conversational ones. Um, but kind of like you were talking about doing the, the hard 75, I've had to go back to really discipline myself to reading because I I'm old fashioned. I like reading a paper book, you know. But yeah. when it comes to the audio books, it's it's sad when it's a nonfiction, but the person chooses to have an actor. Or yeah. from what I've heard, the publishing company forces them to have an actor because when you're used to hearing, you know, say um, David Goggins, yeah, it was a shame. <laughs> I wish David Goggins had read it. I don't know if he wanted to or not, but you know, when when it's someone telling you their thoughts or their life story you want it to be from their own because you just can't get that same emotion from an actor reading the script i mean david goggins though yes you want to read his stuff in his own voice but i mean don't you want him to read everything oh, at exactly. that point? yeah like morgan freeman i, <laughs> I wish like, he'd read my book <laughs> yeah, yeah i want david goggins to read me harry potter you know, <laughs> it would take on a whole different take on a whole different turn <laughs> harry has Tourette's. <laughs> yeah right um uh, 
and it's funny so you mentioned the the 75 hard we actually talked and for those of you listening we actually talked about that off off recording so i'm i'm at, at the point that this is going to be airing and at the point that you're listening to this i'm probably going to be about two three weeks into this 75 hard right now i'm one weekend um and 75 hard is a is a program by andrew frisella that it's 75 days straight and if you don't it, basically if you mess up any part you know of the program you have to start back at day one one of the things in that so that you have to work out twice a day for 45 minutes one of those has to be outside you have to take a progress picture you have to um read 10 pages a day and that's kind of where we were talking about mm -hmm. with with getting into reading really the biggest part of me doing 75 hard was the reading point um because i wanted something to force me to read because i i i think i even posted it on the podcast instagram i'm like oh i'm reading a book a book per month that didn't happen <laughs> I, I got halfway through the you know the one book and not for not liking the book i loved you know and i'm still finishing um, the Undercover Edge by uh, Derek Levasseur, and I'm hoping to have him on the show as well. I've been I've been messaging, trying to, you know, trying to message and get people on your podcast is, is fun, um, <laughs> you know. But I'm trying to get him on the show, uh, so it wasn't for lack of liking the book because I love, I, I think his book is great. Um, I'm just not disciplined enough to sit down and read, and it's one thing to do an audio book that's great, give me the information, yes, but I think there's something to be said about sitting down and actually opening a book and sitting down and focusing and reading. Um, I don't know about you, but when I'm listening to an audiobook, sometimes I'll hear something and then my mind is gone. The book's still rolling, mm -hmm. but I'm not hearing it because, you know, I'm thinking about 10 other different things. So, you know, that's, that's where the wanting to do the 75 hard actually came from. Like this is going to force me to read 10 pages a day. I'm in. Yeah. So. Well, I think it's a reflection of the white noise in your mind. And I find mm -hmm. that being on shift, you know, we're so tired that I think a lot of people at the moment struggle to read because yeah. your, your eyes are on the page, but your mind goes somewhere else. So that's why I did the audio book as well, because I think it's it's more accessible for that population. Oh, yeah. But for and, me, and that's an, and that's not a knock on the on the audio books at all. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. no. But it, but that way you have both, you know, yeah. but I think it, if you can't sit there and read. I think there's there's a great opportunity for maybe some you know mindful practice like headspace or mm -hmm. you know calm or something like that to to turn off some of that you know that monkey mind because that's really what it is if you can't sit in in quiet for 30 minutes or an hour mm -hmm. that's a mirror to you know there's there's so much going on in your mind which is very very inefficient then so I I've, I've been doing the same thing the first thing in the morning is my porch time and like an hour read every day is, yeah uh, you know is a great way of doing it i've been trying to find my time to read um and it, it's it's been interesting my wife has been i've been home with my wife the past couple of weeks uh she's been recovering from from a surgery so i haven't been out on the road and working and things like that so my schedule and routine is completely different right now so i've had more downtime so, you know, if the baby's asleep, I'll pick up the book and read in the middle of the day, but that's not going to be the case, you know, once I, once I'm back on the road and driving and, and doing that. So in that sense, I mean, that's how I started listening to podcasts. I drive, I put on a podcast, mm -hmm. you know, I got, I got sick of trying to find music for me to listen to. Like I listened to everything, but I wanted to hear something different and that's where I started doing podcasts, but that's, you know, with the audiobooks as well, it's like getting this information and, you know making my two hour drive manageable. 
<laughs> that's the that's the goal we, yeah. you know with it so you know hopefully be entertained at some point too but you know i want to learn things i want to i want to know you know different takes different perspectives and i'm not always listening to things i agree with you know i think a lot of the, a problem with uh with today is that people put themselves in a in a chamber of their own thoughts where they only listen to things that they agree with and they don't listen to other people's perspectives. Um, so, and I'll, I'll kind of throw that back back to you, you know, as far as getting outside influences and, and things like that. Um, I think, me personally, I think it's important that we hear how other people think, whether we agree with it or not, just to, you know, to be able to, you know, firm up what we believe. So, I mean, what's, what's your thoughts kind of, around that as well <laughs> um yeah i i agree completely to a point yeah and um, what i mean by that is there are you know some people who are just giant dicks who i agree <laughs> yeah. with and i wouldn't waste my time talking to them yeah so you have to also choose people that still have the same core values meaning that they're still kind mm -hmm. but they come from a different place and that's yeah. what i try and do with the podcast it's not so much i'd even disagree with them but i try and you know, think, all right, well, this person's, a, you know, a professional ballet dancer, you know, and they came from the Ukraine. Well, you know, there's mm -hmm. probably an incredible story, definitely very different from my echo chamber, but another good human being, let's say they have a nonprofit. Okay, well, that's awesome. There's, there's some aligning there. Yeah. But if you're, you know, some political tool bag from the left or from the right, and you just wrote a book and you're writing inflammatory things, I disagree with you, but I'm not going to waste my time talking to you yeah. because you're a complete tool. Yeah. You know, if you're a, if you're the dipshit in Gainesville that burnt the Qurans to sell oh, you a book, gosh. we're not going to sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not worth my airtime. Um, but absolutely. So that's that's the you know that's why I don't debate. There's no debating on my podcast. Yeah. You know, at all. I think that's a waste of time too, because the the idea is that you're going to persuade someone to think differently in mm -hmm. an hour and a half but framing it in a different way where you're pushing the parameters so my parameter was my profession mm -hmm. you know so when i want to bring the wellness advice into my profession i went to the sporting community the military you know all these different areas and there's so much color and depth to there and so much cross-pollination um, that it's completely valuable bringing in. And then you start seeing these, these lines intersect, these common denominators from all these different people. Yeah. So, but yeah, but so my, my thing is I love people of all walks of life as long as the core of what they do is kindness and compassion. Yeah. And I love your hashtag that you use quite a bit. Hashtag don't be a dick. Yeah. It's that I, simple. I, 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 I think I use it. I've used it a few times. As well. It's, it's a great, it's a great hashtag. It, it makes sense. I mean, I think um, most, uh, you know, religious doctrine could just have one page of that. And that, yeah. that would pretty much sum up what they're trying to tell us. So. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's, and, and as far as like the similar to what you're saying is people with the same heart. Um, like, you know, okay, there's some fundamental things that we're not going to agree with, but as long as we can get in a room and talk about it, I want to understand where they're coming from. Because I think a lot of times, a lot of things can be prevented if we know why they're saying what they're saying. Oh, they've come from a different, completely different walk of life. That's why they believe that. I personally don't believe that, but I'm not going to knock them because of, you know, because of that. If we're on the same agreement of don't be a dick. Yeah. Well, I think the other <laughs> yeah. thing, just to interject again, is what I see, and I'll give a perfect example. And I've talked about this before. I love Joe, Joe Rogan. Amazing. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I had um, uh, James, 
God, Wilkes. Blank on his name for yep. a second, who made the Game Changers movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and mm-hmm. Joe and Chris Cressa spent two of Joe's episodes, that's, that's six hours of listening time, yeah. debating why that movie sucked and yeah. why vegans were stupid. Instead of spending, because the first one it was those two, and then the second one James went on and defended himself. And, you know, and I've tried plant-based, I love it, but mm-hmm. I went back to meat because I felt like a, you know, more of a plant-based with, with you know, holistic meat mm-hmm. um, was best for me until I find another way of eating plant-based. Um, but my thing is, they're all agreeing on 90% of what they were talking about, but they argued about the 10% they disagreed. Yeah. And that is where you waste so much time. Let's take religion. You know, you have a Muslim, you have a Christian, and they argue about, you know, what their prophet said mm-hmm. instead of coming in the middle and saying, well, do you agree with people being dicks to each other? Well, no. Okay, well, then we're, <laughs> that's where we agree. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's, that's my thing. Is <laughs> well, I've, the problem is you don't even have to go Christian to Muslim. You can take Christian and Christian. Oh, exactly. And it's like Catholic and Protestant. It's like, you know, are, are you guys even reading the same book? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, look at Ireland. Look here? at all the, the troubles there. So, so that's my thing. I think that people, you know, instead of finding beauty in their differences, they, they're, they're threatened by the differences, mm-hmm. you know. So look at, I mean, the, even the, the racial tension we have now. Overall, I think that we're in a pretty diverse, beautiful country where most people aren't racist. Mm-hmm. But the way it was framed this year is that pick a side, black or white. Yeah. You know, I mean, no, no. You, you know, you two idiots can stay on the extreme. The rest of us in the middle are just going to get on and work with each other and work out with each other and, you know. Yeah. Just just be the humans that you actually see in all these cities who are men and women who want to watch their kids grow up, want to roof over their head, you know, pray next to each other, whatever it is. But majority of people live in that middle 80 percent so if mm-hmm. we can see each other there instead of the extremities like oh you like you like opera what's wrong with you yeah. i like hip-hop yeah but you both like music stop arguing and that and that's and I, I hate bringing it back to crossfit all the time but that's why i love crossfit because literally it doesn't matter who walks in the door it doesn't matter their skill level doesn't matter you know what they're able to do or not do you get in there and you work out together and you have a deep appreciation it's for each community. other it's a community yeah you will you go to the mat for those people that are in you know members of your box and you know you'll you basically you fight together you cry together you, you laugh um because a lot of the classes you know are hugely inappropriate when they start talking mm-hmm. you know, it's just going back and forth with the jokes and all that sort of thing but um but you definitely have some sort of um a family in 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 the gym unlike any other gym you don't have that family at, you know, Planet Fitness or, you know, you know, the Y. I mean, you can take some classes and things like that. But, like, CrossFit has that family and that community. And that's why I think when everything happened last year is why it got so, like, why there was so much concern. Because it felt like our family was breaking up. Yeah, and again, <laughs> look, look what actually happened. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll defend Greg Glassman in that particular moment. Do I understand fully the depth of it no do i think mm-hmm. that it was a poorly timed you know outcry yes yeah but do you burn down 20 years of diverse health and wellness because of one statement that may or not been intended that way yeah no you don't yeah. you know i mean none of us are perfect i've had guests that you know i've done amazing things and then made a comment and, and people were all offended by it like yeah you should be offended and that's why yeah. i'm not deleting it that was you know a kind of narrow-minded thing that that person said mm-hmm but that's a human being yeah. we're all and even in the crossfit world as you know in town here 
we are all members of the CrossFit family, but there's yep. been times where certain boxes have been opposed to even interacting with other oh, boxes. Gosh. Well, that's the exact same thing we're talking about with churches, with whatever. Yep. You can have good leadership and understand you're part of the big picture, or you can wall up your walls and say, if you don't believe in what I do, then you're not going to heaven, you're not going to the CrossFit Games, whatever you want to say, <laughs> you know? But it's, you know, you're either part of the tapestry of life yeah. or you're separating yourself thinking you're holier than thou. So, yeah. you know, I mean, to me, it's again, it's understanding the commonalities. And what I love about CrossFit, just like you said, our gym is diverse pigmentation-wise, mm -hmm. sexuality-wise, age-wise, ability-wise. And we all sweat side by side. And at the end, everyone high fives each other and, and feels better than they did when they walked through the door. Yeah. Oh, and, and like you said, I think in our gym, the oldest member, I think, is 73. And then the youngest is my kids who are four and seven who are just out there sweating. And um, all the, the four year old doesn't quite get it. He doesn't uh, he doesn't quite get it as uh, he's getting there like he's wanting to do the workouts, but he'll he'll do like one set of something and then just yell time <laughs> but here's the thing he's watching his mother and father yep doing that and learning that that's normal yeah to play to move to climb ropes to go upside down to you know run outside in the rain mm -hmm. like that's the, the most beautiful thing i ever see is families in crossfit and i've watched people that have had babies that their babies just like your daughter yep. are now athletes yeah because they saw mom and dad do it and it was normal and that goes against the whole narrative, like, you know, it's okay to get fat. No one can say anything. It's body shaming. You just, you know, you're big and beautiful. No, no. no. This is what yeah, I talk is. about in the book. Yeah. That philosophy ends up with me sticking a tube down your throat. And the last thing in the world you see is my ugly face as you circle the drain and, and go to whatever's next. Yeah. So that's a horrible narrative to believe in. Absolutely. And, and that is, so, it is so dangerous. Um, now, listen, I am love everybody. I'm, you know, I'm all for love everybody in whatever state they are, but at some point you have to be able to speak truth. There's and a difference say, between being ashamed yeah. and being told that there's nothing wrong with being 300 pounds yeah. because the, let's say your healthy weight is 180, the 180 pound version of yourself, what you're going to be able to do in this beautiful life you know this beautiful planet that we inhabit mm -hmm. is so different than what you're going to be able to do at 300 pounds absolutely but and the people that sell you the pills that keep you alive they don't want you well no. they don't want you dead they want you in that middle ground where where you're a little addict for their you know blood pressure diabetes whatever and it sounds like conspiracy theory it's not because we didn't have any of that shit till about 60 years ago yeah so. <laughs> well, you say conspiracy, it, it, and it actually probably is. It's a conspiracy from those companies trying to, you know, keep you, keep you down, keep you in a state where you're dependent on them. Yeah. Um, because if we all got healthy, there would be no, you know, I mean, there would still be a drug industry, but it wouldn't be nowhere near as, as big as it is now. Well, look um, at Viagra. Did you know that the, the history of Viagra, that that wasn't, ED wasn't a medical condition. It was actually thought up in a public relations huh. department. And, you know, what's terrifying is that if we want to call it ED, yeah. you know, that's an that's a absolutely terrifying warning sign of heart disease. Oh, Because okay. your penis is full of blood vessels. Yeah. And if they're constricted, it doesn't work anymore. Well, if those don't work anymore because they're constricted, what do you think is happening in the veins, you know, the, the arteries in, in your, your heart, the ones going to your brain? So you shouldn't be taking a little purple pill 
you should be getting your ass out and exercising and eating well because yeah. otherwise you're going to have a heart attack, you know? So we're even masking life-threatening symptoms and then filming models dancing around and saying it's normal on television, followed by five minutes of warning signs that you're probably going to die. Yeah, the the warning signs are, are, are the... the symptom or cautions or yeah the cautions the um side side effects effects. yeah (laughs) the side (laughs) effects i i just laugh and my favorite one right now um when it comes to side effects is if you're allergic don't take this pill how do you know um well duh or the or the anti um antidepressants that might cause suicidal death yes Uh, yeah you know what i mean but that's that's just it because the only cure for heart disease aside from some completely out of left field purely you know genuinely genetic defect Mm -hmm. is diet and exercise yeah that's it you know so you know you can you can sustain a heartbeat it doesn't mean you're living yeah you know i mean i just saw a lady walk into Publix yesterday and you know she looked ancient but actually she was probably barely 60 Mm -hmm. leaning on a on a walker you know just horrendously overweight couldn't even can even walk anymore yeah you know so it's what we're doing for our people is such a disservice you know it's not left it's not right because it's you know the obesity epidemic has been worsening for you know the last 80 odd years so it's just a complete lack of leadership and we've allowed a lot of these companies whether they're spraying our food with chemicals whether mm-hmm. they're you know these these horrendous practices with the meat industrial farming yep um you know that's creating sick men and women yeah. and to me I'll, I'll admire a leader in this country that actually stands up and directly addresses that. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It, it's just like, are you going to take heart, you know, heart advice from a doctor who's, you know, 270, you know, exactly. and, and you see it all the time. You see doctors themselves that are like, Oh, you need to do this and this and this. I'm like, you're not, why, why should I listen to you? Yeah. It's um, like the fat coaches. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that I, you know, just the people who claim to be profession professional in that space, not living up to the same standards Mm -hmm. and not doing the same things. And, and it goes into every line of work, whether it be politics, Uh, you know, there, I mean, we can, we can go for days on what they're saying we should be doing and then what they're doing, you know, similar to, you know, the, the stuff going on in Texas with, you know, they're freezing and, and Ted Cruz goes to Cancun. Yeah. Or, like, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not deliberately picking on yeah. Christianity, but just as an example, you know, the, the preacher in the mega church who's doing hookers and blow while he's telling everyone else to live virtuously. Yep. You know, I mean, there's, yeah. these are real stories of complete hypocrisy. Absolutely. So. And, and, and those are the, those are the things that people want, People really want uh, something real. Yeah, they truth. want they want truth. They want honesty. They want they want honesty. And as much, well, I don't know that they necessarily want the honesty as much because I think if they got a lot of the honesty that they need, they wouldn't appreciate it very much. Yeah, but I think it would <laughs> but, take time. After a while, they would acclimatize to, to yeah. being told what they need to be told. Yeah, you know, with compassion and kindness. I'm not talking exactly. about cruelty. Yeah, and and I and I look at that with our landscape right now. You know, in the U.S. I, I don't know what to think anymore when it comes to, you know, when it comes to, I don't even want to call it politics because at this point it's just a game. Um, nobody in politics really cares about anybody below them. They just care about themselves and what they're doing. And 
you know, we keep getting fed every four years, the lesser of two evils, but it keeps getting more and more evil <laughs> every, yeah. every time it evolves. It's like the system's broken. Yeah. It's a turd machine. And yeah. It sounds harsh, but again, 330 million people, if you got to choose from this entire country, would you have had any of the people, no. you know, the, I mean, you wouldn't, you, you can think of people, whether it's in the military, whether it's in business, whatever, whether it's, you know, um, people in the, the charitable space, we can think of true leaders yeah. that you know are good, good human beings that can manage a business, but are compassionate, that can interact with people from other countries and cultures, mm -hmm. and none of them ever make it. Some of them even seem to be on that final 10. I'm supposed to be having Tulsi Gabbard coming on. I, I was, was excited about her. I was going to mention her. She, she's, so I'm, I'm registered Republican. My, my, my thoughts and, and beliefs line more on that side. That being said, <laughs> I'm also not, you know, just going to check the box for any Republican that's yeah, on the, that's on the list. Blue. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to listen to the, you know, listen to the debates. I'm going to listen to what everyone's saying and I'm going to make my decision like an adult mm -hmm. <laughs> based on the information given to me. Um, she really impressed me. Yeah. Um, she is just a very impressive human being. Um, and she got run out so quick. Exactly. Uh, they, and what's, 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 you know, disappointing to me is, you know, the vice president now who I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about, but mm -hmm. from what I've, heard through people like Joe, who I know researches, you know, he's a lot more politically minded than I am. Joe uh, Rogan, that is, not yeah. Biden. <laughs> um, and side note, I actually was um, Joe Biden's EMS escort when he came to Orlando when oh. he was vice president. Nice. Um, but, uh, you know, she's very hardline law enforcement background. And a, we need someone who's going to be, in my opinion, look at, you know, prohibition of drugs, look at the proactive way of stopping crime mm -hmm. in the first place, making it safer for our civilians, safer for our police officers, stopping this crazy growth of the prison system. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can't have another war on drugs idiot, you know, talking about taking a hard line on crime. No, you take a hard line on crime by stopping people becoming criminals because you actually investing in the youth of all backgrounds yeah. and create jobs so that they don't do that and don't empower criminals by having an illicit drug policy that allows ship bags from here in Mexico to murder and, you know, and control this country. Yeah. You have to reverse engineer to pre-drug prohibition when we didn't have that issue. And yeah. like, look at alcohol, you know, prohibition, complete disaster, and they stopped it. <laughs> and now Budweiser and Coors don't have, you know, gang wars in the middle of LA, Yeah, you know? So that's what I like about Tulsi is that she seems like she She's a veteran. If you want to check the whole ethnic boxes and female boxes, she checks those two. But as a human being, she seems to be that middle of the road, compassionate person that we need. And Bernie got laughed out, you know, and, and you know, I personally think we need a dose of kindness and compassion in this country, especially after the last one we had. Yep. Um, so I'm not left, right. I voted for Joe Jorgerson this last time because mm -hmm. she's the only one that seemed to make any sense between the three. But yeah, we need to have someone who understands that, you know, we have to reverse engineer to prevention rather than reaction. Yeah. And and like you said, everything I've I've listened to her on um, and I, you know, follow her, you know, kind of follow her story. Just like you said, a good human being who was willing to go across the aisle. That was the other thing, um, because I'm so sick of if, you know, a Republican brings a bill 
it's immediately shot down by all the Democrats just because it was given to you by a Republican. Yeah. Ridiculous. Whereas you could take the same thing, change the names, throw it to the other side and, and vice versa. Um, but she was willing to go across the aisle, talk to people, really get feedback, vote how she felt as opposed to just for, party lines for the country rather yeah. than self-serving because if we vote just based on party lines no we're not going to get anything done no ever but they forget that they're working for us you know yeah. what i mean so that's the big thing is you know there are so many people that i've had on the show that have served this country Estelle must still serve in this country, and they turn around and then do more for this country yeah. after they've retired, whether it's helping veterans, whether it's homeless, you know, whatever it is. And they're not getting paid to do it. Yeah. And yet the people that we're paying hand over fist are doing things that are working against our country. So all we need is those that same spirit that I see a lot of these veterans and responders and you know other people I had on the show mm -hmm. that just want to make this country better, to have that same spirit in the people we actually pay to be in DC to yeah. have the power to actually affect that. Yeah, and it's it's such a it's such a double standard right now um, with them that you know it's almost. I don't want to say that we needed. Yeah, it's even hard to say. It's even hard to say that we needed Donald Trump to kind of shake things up, but it felt like things were actually getting shook as far as just something different than and it would have been horrendous with clinton as well so just to be yeah. clear, i mean we, yeah, we ended up with you know two again when you think about ratios out of 330 million people yep what the you know yeah. what happened like if you if there's no better illustration of how broken our system is that those were the last two that we got to choose from yeah whether you like one other whatever no one at the beginning was voting for either of those two people no so it, and and it just it's part of the game mm -hmm. you know it, it's it's a game that they figured out that we can't get somebody in there that we actually want yeah that just you know it's and like i said the same as when i said that you know the firefighter unions opposed wellness initiatives they they don't fight for the work week you yeah know, which i know is killing a lot of our people with the sleep deprivation it's the same if you've had an obesity epidemic in your country and cancer has gone through the roof Mm -hmm. That should be number one. Yes, of course, you know, protecting our borders and, you know, the military presence and the response to 9-11. There's no, no question that those have to happen. But if you are losing Americans in genocidal numbers to health concerns that we can address, then that should be absolute priority. Yeah. But look, I mean, you, there's no better illustration than the fact that our food is sprayed with chemicals by people wearing hazmat suits. Yeah. And then it's fed to our children. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I, I just if that doesn't resonate with people and then I don't know what will. You know? Yeah. And, and I, I'm I'm not a gardener, but I thought about <laughs> like building a whole thing in my backyard just to grow our own food. Yeah. Just because and people should. That's you yeah. know, that self-sufficient element, too. Absolutely. You know, and some of us obviously have more garden to do than others but yeah, yeah. understand and then voting with your dollar you yeah know, we can we can force it but you know i mean the the covid with all the gyms being closed down and you know lines around chick-fil-a yeah i mean that was another huge illustration of how backward the priorities are not just here in a lot of countries you yeah know? and and going going to that and i know you've been very outspoken about you know where you know, kind of where we put our priorities when it comes to covid um, you know, as far as, you know, what can we do? And, you know, so kind of go a little bit on that because that's been something I've been appreciative of, of hearing your take when COVID came out, nobody has talked about the wellness. 
nobody's talked about health. They've all talked about, let's run to a vaccine. Let's, you know, let's get this vaccine. And I'm not telling anybody to not get it or get it. I think there's people that should get it. I think there's people that don't necessarily need it. Um, me personally, that's, that's a personal opinion. I'm going to go ahead and put that on, on <laughs> record. That's my, that's my personal opinion. I think if, you know, when I was explained how the vaccine worked, it basically teaches your body how to fight a disease or it teaches your body how to fight certain elements of the disease. I got the dog in the background. It's okay. <laughs> um, but it teaches your body to fight certain elements of the disease so that when you do come in contact with it, your body then knows how to fight it. I think I'm explaining that in my non-medical you know, terms um, as well as I, I think I understand it. But if somebody has already gotten it, fought it because they live a healthy life, they are active, they are, you know, asymptomatic, basically never even knew they had it, but contracted, you know, contracted COVID. Why is there not a precedence on the health side of it? So the way I frame this whole thing, and it's kind of, uh, you know, a question that I came up with recently, not that it's again, anything mind blowing, but when this all happened, the whole thing was, you know, masks, isolation, all this stuff. And really, mm -hmm. if, if people are honest with themselves, the, the principle behind it was really, you're going to hide from COVID. Mm -hmm. I mean, the mask is protecting you. Yes, they're saying, oh, you don't, you know, don't breathe out. But reality, people are wearing it to protect themselves. Yeah. They're staying home to protect themselves. And in my opinion, what that did is it took away all of the actionable elements so what I wish had been said during this whole time, because there are so many things that kill people outside of, of COVID, was that alongside the isolation, because there are countries that, like New Zealand, like the island of Guernsey, that have been extremely successful. They locked everything down for a very short amount of time. They controlled their borders immediately with, um, uh, you know, they had to have the, the, the isolation period. Mm -hmm. Quarantine. Quarantine, thank you. Yep. Quarantine period for two weeks. And they, you know, they went back to normal last summer, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, obviously with this kind of stop, start, stop, start that we've seen here in um, you know, the UK and a lot of other places, um, some of these poor people have been literally quarantining for a year now. Mm -hmm. um, so what the question I wish or the, or the way it had been, I wish it had been presented was, I want you to act as if you are going to have COVID. Okay, we're still going to isolate, we're still going to wear masks, we're still going to do these things. But your reaction to this virus depends on your underlying health. Mm -hmm. So that could have been a year of people thinking about what they ate, starting to think about exercise. And, and, and so therefore, without being backed up with education. So bending over backwards to keep the gyms open, talking about how important it is to go outside. Don't get close to each other, but mm -hmm. go outside. Get daylight, get fresh air, walk in nature. Um, you know, like I said, the exercise, the, the hydration, sleep, talking about sleep, because the more anxious we made people about COVID, I think the less they've done and the more scared they've got, which has made them more vulnerable to mm -hmm. a greater reaction to this virus. Yeah. And I agree with you with the, with the vaccination. The, the healthier we are as a population, the more resources can be used for the people that are, you know, young, elderly and infirm. Mm -hmm. So the more sick our population is, the more of a liability we are to those who really need us. Yeah. So that should be another thing. Like, take yourself out of this equation. 
you've got a you know a year from we should be a year healthier yeah like obesity could have plummeted this last year but with the gyms closed and the chick-fil-a's open i guarantee you the reverse happens so we're going to have more mental health problems more heart disease more cancers because most people stayed in their homes and hid yeah. and the most motivated did the burpees in the living room and you know grew their own food in the back garden but it's about the environment did we create an environment for people to thrive or to fail and i think we built an environment for them to fail i really yeah. do and and i think the media has has been a big part of that of just instilling that fear oh if you go out you're irresponsible if you you know don't wear what is it up we're up to two masks now i think so um double masking and uh, you know at some point let's you know again let's take responsibility for our own health well, have our, you had this from from other people outside our state saying oh god how are you doing i heard it's terrible there and we're here <laughs> like no it's not terrible here no. and i tell you this firsthand my firefighter friends say it's not terrible my nurse and doctor friends say it's not terrible there are some peaks in in the densely populated areas you know yeah. and of course when flu season happens because no one's getting flu right now yeah because i don't think they're testing for flu yeah so to give donald trump some credit he was right in saying the more you test the more you find i yeah. agree with him 100 absolutely um so you know but we're not seeing that here so we still i still wear the mask wear a mask to wear a mask at yeah. Publix. i don't wear a mask where it says eh, if you need to if you want to like the post office i won't because sure. i believe that we're absolutely fine and the more we push towards not doing that anymore the faster we're going to just get on with everything yeah but you know if you live in you know a densely part part of the country like new york in last april then mm -hmm. yeah that was a different situation but do the people in rural minnesota need to follow the same guidelines as manhattan yeah. no but we all got blanketed with the same thing yeah so and, and i actually talked to uh, so one of my guests on the show um nick walker he's the one of the cast members from hamilton the the touring um touring group well he was living in new york so I was talking to him about that. I'm like, you know, he was asking me the same thing. He's like, how is it, you know, in Florida? Like, well, it's completely different here because I can go for miles and not see somebody, mm -hmm. you know, d you know, depending on where I am in the city, I can go anywhere. But if you're in New York and Manhattan, you can't go 10 feet well, without stack people running into you know, somebody. 100 stories high in that yeah. city. So. I mean, you, your population is so condensed and, and everybody is on top of each other. So, of course, it's going to just spread like wildfire there. You know, you're not going to have a, a forest fire in the desert, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you're going to have a forest fire in a highly, you know, dense, dry area. And that's essentially what New York was, um, you know, so when they're talking about the high rates of, of COVID of COVID there, it, there's nowhere else for it to go. What's what else is going to happen? Whereas here, I can stay in my house and not see anybody for, you know, a week. Yeah. You know, I can I can go places and, and not be right on top of everyone you yeah, know but so what do we have here horrendous obesity yeah you know i mean you go to i mean anywhere especially you go you know people always pick on walmart but it's true go to a walmart oh, you know yeah. you see the ill health of a lot of people go to golden corral or you know these, these real hot spots i mean we have a horrendous wellness you know or uh, should I say illness epidemic yeah that you might i mean i just had a antigen test or antibody test done mm -hmm. um down south because the, the guys I was interviewing happened to have one. I said, do you want to do one? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I sat next to someone that had COVID a few weeks ago, like right next to her. We didn't know yeah. she had it until later. And it still said negative. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know if I've already got it because of, you know, the, I think the antibody levels 
when they first got it were all their ER patients that are full blown. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had it, let's say I got it a year ago, yeah, the anti- you know it might be next to undetectable now. So, yeah. you know, there's all the, there's all these things, but the thing I can control is my wellness. Yeah, I went to the gym yesterday. You know, I'm, after we're done, I'm going to walk my dog, and and I can control all those. Yeah. I can't control if and when I get the virus. So that's yeah. the thing that's really you know I've been trying to push is underlying health. Not only is going to make you far more resilient to this or any other virus Mm -hmm. but you can have the shot that's not going to stop you from getting diabetes obesity you know hypertension stroke all these things that are killing americans and and british and everyone else around the world well the 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 western world should i say regardless of this this virus so that's been my frustration as we focus just on this one virus to the point where people are even blaming other countries for their strain coming to here like you know we don't blame each other oh i've got the portuguese flu this year yeah no you've just got the flu and yeah. we know there's lots of strains because we know that our, our vaccines don't even work half the time on those strains yep so my thing is the only thing you control is your resilience i'll just give you a quick analogy that i wrote about in the book if you think about um you know a group of soldiers from medieval times mm-hmm. okay and there's an invading army coming and they stand in the middle of an open field and they fight valiantly, but they're in an open field. They've got no cover and they get run over. OK, and they get killed. Take that same small defending army and they build a castle mm-hmm. and they put a moat around the castle with spikes in and they have boiling oil at the top. And in their, you know, their brick walls are little slats that they shoot the arrows from. Chances are they're going to be able to defend themselves just fine. Same exact invading army, yep. different defending army that's all you're doing yeah you're creating resilience in the human body so that your response to that virus is far far more likely to be non-fatal that's awesome i like i like that i like that analogy um that and that's again something that we see in our in you know in our field and as as coaches you know you see people coming in from all different walks of life and the biggest thing is just encouraging people to be in the gym you know there's um there's a issue as well with people criticizing larger people from going to the gym. I'm like, why, why would you, why would you criticize somebody who's trying to get healthy? Cause it's lack of compassion again. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, it should be cheering them on. And that's why I, again, like, and you see that at, you know, your globo gyms and things like that, where, you know, they're making fun of somebody cause they're not using a machine, right. Or they're, you know, or they're heavy or, you know, these sorts of things. It's like, why not encourage them? Show them how to use the damn Show machine. them how to use the machine. You know, encourage them. Check in on them. Be an accountability partner for that person. Be like, hey, I see what you're doing. I love that you're in here in the gym. You know, here's my number. Let you know, check in with me so you know we can get you know get you on track and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Like, encourage people, and that's what I love about our community. You know, with you know with the gyms and, and with CrossFit is that it is a it is a welcoming community. They don't care if you're the first person to finish or the last person to finish. We're cheering you on, you know, every step of the way. And it's awesome to see the progress. Um, I've got a couple athletes that, I'm, that we're working with right now that, you know, they've shown their, you know, previous, you know, to when they first started. And we're seeing a lot of those, you know, yearly ones that are, you know, popping, you know, popping up in the memories. It's like, oh, look at where I was last year. Look at where I am now. And just seeing that the confidence that they have, you know, and, and just the overall spirit that they have and, and the joy that they have in being able to do things that they couldn't do before. Yeah. And it's such, 
even more so than just health and wellness mentally it's good for you mm-hmm. like imagine the self-confidence of somebody who has lost 200 pounds and can now do and run and go and do all these things imagine the confidence they have versus what they had you know when they had 200 more pounds yeah well john gord's a perfect example yeah obese to beast I had yes him on the show and you know, how he's got into triathlon you mm. know but i love the fact that he wears his loose skin you know yep. proudly because that was the journey he was on but yeah but i think what's also sad and i don't know if you've seen this is is you also in the crossfit world we have athletes that have absolutely shown up put in the work and they keep getting heavier mm-hmm. and i think that that's the other side of the equation we've got an environment that puts all the crap food in front of everyone yeah. and it's ownership like these people have ownership they show up in the gym three four times a week yeah but then they make horrible nutrition choices yep so you know what i hope is the next wave is voting with our dollar as we're seeing healthier foods slowly start to permeate the the grocery stores mm-hmm. is you know i mean i wish it would start at our schools like it kills me the crap they serve our kids yeah but then we address the nutrition element you've already got people fired up for mud runs and crossfit gyms and everything but now if we can create an environment of health in nutrition as well now we'll really make a dent because as you know you, you can't out train a shitty diet no. you know and it's it's what we eat that kills us yeah you know what what we do in the gym definitely you know cleans the pipes a little bit but it's more performance and you know and, and joint health and back health and all that stuff but as far as disease prevention that happens on your plate absolutely and and i'm guilty of of you know eating a little bit too extra on on some other things and uh so i'm sitting probably you know a little bit heavier than i well i'm definitely sitting a little bit heavier than i want to be right now but i also notice the difference where if i drop 10 pounds it's a completely different story mm-hmm. you know my performance at the gym goes up you know my my just energy level is up um just general health things so if i'm you know, 10 to 20 pounds heavier where, you know, okay, you know, I'm still in shape, but again, like you said, you can't out train a diet. Yeah. Well, that's what's I've good tried. with CrossFit too, is <laughs> it reminds you if you're doing yeah. pull-ups with a, with a 20 pound plate strapped to you, you notice a difference. Oh, absolutely. You know, so yeah, yeah you go upside down 20 pounds heavier, you know, try and climb a rope. So I, I, that's what I love about it is it's a constant reminder and I'm, you know, slim built, but it's the opposite yeah. like for us skinny dudes. It's the lack of strength. Yeah. So for the skinny firefighter, I've still got to drag those people, you know, climb the ladders and or throw the ladders, should I say, and, and do all the stuff with the heavy machinery. So I have the kind of opposing battle where weight gain is mm-hmm. fat weight gain isn't so much of a problem, even though you can still be extremely unhealthy and skinny, but it's functionally staying strong. Yeah. You know? So we all have our, our battles. One of the things I like to do when I do have an athlete that's come in and they've lost a considerable, considerable amount of weight, um, you know, let's say they lose their first 20 pounds is I like to then, you know, okay, we're going to go run 200 meters, grab that plate, you know, go grab that 20 pound plate and go run with it or go put this weight vest on and go run with it. Mm-hmm. That's what you were, you know, X amount of weeks ago now take it off and go run it again and see how, you know, see what the difference is. And they, I mean, their face when they're running with the plate is, you know, horrified. And then when they're running without it, it's just like, wow, yeah. it's, it's so much easier. It's so much nicer. I'm like, that's how life should be. It exactly. should be easy. These, you know, these tasks, although, you know, whether you're an elite level athlete or a beginner athlete in CrossFit, you're going to feel the exact same after a workout, but it should get easier as far as, your performance level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, it, it definitely translates over to life in general. Yeah. 
it should make you know the fact that i have four kids going out and playing with my kids easier i can run around with them i can you know throw them up in the air i can do all these things with them that if i was 40 50 60 pounds heavier there's no way there's there's no way when my you know when my seven-year-old daughter wants to go run around fort king you know two or three times because she wants to train for you know for the bacon beatdown that's coming there would be no way that i could do that if i wasn't in a state of health already and you know what kind of example would i be to my kids if i was promoting them to go do all this fitness stuff and i was you know sitting back you're showing them what's normal yeah so it's normal you know deconditioned and you know acting like you're 60 when you're 40 or 80 when you're 40 yeah like we see a lot of our you know especially men we got you know we just give up a lot of these uncle rico stories oh you know in high school i was x well why can't you do that again you know because your kids are watching and if they think it's normal to just sit there and watch tv all day that's what they're gonna do yeah and we're having a generation where supposedly we're the first generation that might outlive our kids that's horrendous yeah but that's the kind i mean you've seen some of these teenagers these like bent over pretzel kids that have Mm -hmm. done nothing but game it's a complete disservice and it's it's almost child abuse to my opinion if your kid is obese and has never played outside and you know it's on you it's like having a fat dog yeah you the dog relies on you for food and exercise and, and in the reverse, I'm the mean dad because I won't let my kids have phones. <laughs> you know, I, I won't let. You know, I told I told my oldest daughter she's 12. I'm like until you have a car, and I need to know where you are when you you know where you are at all times. You know, and 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 know for for your health and safety where you are. Mm-hmm. And if there's an emergency that you need to get a hold of me to come get you, you might, you don't need a phone. Yeah. Well, that that was why Ty had a phone even now it's got limited things on it but it was because of that you know yeah. with divorce is two households i wasn't always trusting in one household so yeah. you know and he has he's called me and said hey this is going on can you come get me so yeah but and that's yeah, a different and, and, and that's a different scenario it, you yeah. know what i mean that's, that's a different not how scenario. it is now we're talking about in the past but, yeah um you know but yeah but 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 that's just it he's he's been amazing understanding that you know everything in moderation like i don't eat you know healthy stuff all day every day you know i mean if you overall are healthy then you can afford to you know have a day just lounging on the couch or a day where you just eat crappy food yeah but and your kids you know a phone's the devil no but they have to i mean he's out on a skateboard most of the time so if he comes back and plays with you know watches anime on his phone then that's fine i'm not some (laughs) psycho dad yeah you know but then you know he'll get bored and he'll play lego or whatever and that's just it. It's just yeah. everything in moderation. It's, it doesn't have to be extreme. But if they're not moving, you're setting them up for for failure when they grow up. Absolutely. Well, hey man, we are running. We're running on time, so I want to you know, kind of wrap it up a, a little bit here. But so we talked about you know kind of the health and wellness, and you know of people getting into you know being a firefighter or being a first responder. Given your knowledge now looking back at a at a young i don't know when you went when did you when did you join the fire department how old were you um i was 27 i think 27 so okay a little bit older because like i told you i was told i couldn't be one so sure <laughs> well going back to let's say you know because i know you know quite a few you know kids coming out of high school now or coming out of college that are wanting to become a firefighter or wanting to become a, a police officer 
if you could go back and tell the young James <laughs> what, you know, what is one thing that, you know, one, one bit of knowledge that I wish I had then going into it, what is something that you would advise someone who's thinking about getting into that field? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, the biggest thing is not so much specifically that, just in general, is question everything. Mm. You know, so if someone tells you you can't do something, even if it's for a medical condition, you know, question it. Yeah. Why? You know, I might, I've had teachers that told me when I was in secondary school that you'll never amount to anything, you know, and, and I disagree. I yeah. think I did, you know, but um, but I, I've got no, you know, I, I, I've got no regrets. I mean, life panned out the way it did and it made me who I am. So, but I would tell him just, you know, yeah, question, question everything. If, if you want to do something and tell someone tells you, you can't, you know, especially if it's someone wearing, as you mentioned, you know, a white coat and a stethoscope who you were supposed to trust implicitly, mm-hmm. you know, ask, get a second opinion, read around it, research, find, see if someone's done it that has whatever challenges you have, you know, whether it's, you know, economically whatever it is you know is there a way of you know you grow up somewhere and you don't have any money and you want to go to fire academy well i know of a mentorship program in town that you can do for free that they have scholarships you know what i mean so i think that's just in general we 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 take authority figures words as gospel Mm. and once you start educating yourself and again looking behind the curtain you realize a lot of people don't know what the fuck they're talking about yeah so question everything i'm not talking about you know just being a rebel for the sake of it but yeah just don't don't think that you have any less value in this world than anyone else i love it man and so and as we're wrapping up let everybody know where they can find you um all the social media websites and and where they can find the book where they can find the podcast all that Beautiful. Well, yeah, the um, the podcast is on all the apps um, behind the shield. Mm-hmm. Um, the Instagram is behind the shield 911. I've got Facebook and all that, but they, they suck. So I won't even talk about them. <laughs> Instagram <laughs> is my go to. I it have is. I have Facebook as well. Instagram is my go to. I have 5000. I'll use this term loosely friends and I'll post something on Facebook and it'll get like seven likes. Yeah, I know it's because if they want me to pay them to let my friends see my stuff. Of course, so. absolutely. Um, but anyway, so that's that. The um, the book is on Amazon. The audio book is on Audible and you know iTunes and all that stuff too. But it's one more light, life, death, and humanity through the eyes of a firefighter. Awesome. Well, James, thank you so much for, of course, welcoming me into your home as well and uh, being able to come and just hang out because you know, like I said, we've known each other for quite a few years. Uh, but man, I look forward to hearing everything you have going on with the show. Um, seeing where you know how far the book goes as well and uh, I wish you all the best thank you for having me mate it's been fun thanks hey everybody I hope you enjoyed that sit down with James we had a great time sitting on his couch kicking back enjoying some laughs and getting into some subjects that I think are very important especially in this day and age uh, when it comes to first responders when it comes to fitness in general, and mental health. So I hope that you enjoyed that. If you would like to purchase his book, you can go on jamesgearing.com or you can go to amazon.com and search One More Light, Life, Death, and Humanity Through the Eyes of a Firefighter. It is available on Amazon. And pick up the book. I highly recommend that everyone reads it, even if you know nothing about, especially if you know nothing about what first responders go through. It is a, a very 
eye-opening book on the things that they go through and then what they have to take home to their families. So I definitely recommend his book. It is a fantastic book. I bought it um, and you know read it before I even sat down with him, even though I already knew him and I've already listened to his podcast. Definitely go check out his podcast, Behind the Shield Podcast. Find it wherever podcasts are found, Spotify, Apple, Google, everywhere. You can You can find that podcast. Definitely go check it out. He has some amazing guests on there um, from, you know, the, the forward of his book is actually written by Josh Brolin, which uh, if any of you know who that is, Thanos, uh, we talked about a little bit in the, uh, in the, in the episode, but uh, you know, he's got Josh Brolin, he's got uh, John Travolta, he's got a lot of uh, doctors and researchers from every single different um, profession that you can think of that all attack the issue of PTSD with first responders. So an amazing podcast. Go check it out. At the beginning of this podcast, I teased that we are going to be doing some different things. So obviously the big episodes are going to be coming out with with interviews with uh, different people. And I'm always so happy to sit down and talk with people uh, about what they're doing, have some fun, cut up, and have a blast. Barbells, beats, and buffoonery. It's what we do. But I've got some other ideas and some things that I want to do to kind of give you a little tidbits of things to listen to throughout the week. Uh, Some things to help you get your fitness game up, maybe. So what we are going to start doing is we're going to have two, I'm going to call them mini episodes or segments that are going to be coming out on the podcast channel. So you don't have to go anywhere else. It's going to be right here on the same podcast channel. And if you haven't subscribed, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and do that now, whether it's on Apple Spotify, Google, subscribe so that you get updates when these shows drop. But we're going to try and do a schedule where there's going to be three episodes, one full episode and then two mini episodes a week. And those mini episodes, one of them is going to be about beats. Yes, that's right. We're going to talk about the beat of the week or play around with the name a little bit, but we're going to be talking about music. So what I'm listening to, I'm going to have special guests come on and talk about what they're listening to discover new music, and we're going to have some fun with it. Don't know how much I can actually play as far as music on the podcast without getting yanked, so we'll we'll stay away from that, but we'll give you directions on where to go to listen to some of these these, uh, new discoveries that you may have never uh, never heard of. And by all means, if you have an idea for something that you think I should be listening to that I should be telling everyone else to be listening to, man, shoot me a a DM. Hop on Instagram. It's the easiest way to get a hold of me. It's Wex Appeal Podcast. And shoot me a, shoot me a DM talking about uh, music that you're listening to and what I should check out. And maybe, if I like it enough, I might even call you up and have you come on the show. Who knows? But we're going to have fun with it. That's the main point, is we're going to have fun with the music. And sometimes it'll be a top five, maybe you know, top five movie soundtracks or you know, best songs to work out to or whatever genre we feel like diving into that day. Um, that's what we're going to do. The other episode that I am playing around with is a fitness related episode. Basically it's going to be the workout of the week and I'm going to give you one workout. We're going to talk about what the workout is. We're going to talk about scaling options, ways that you can adapt it to you ways that you can, you know, what the stimulus should be. So how you should feel when you're doing the workout, uh, the results that you should be getting from it. And we'll, you know, talk with somebody who is going to be a guest celebrity that will uh, give you the workout of the week. So 
I am even toying around with the idea of not even letting the not having them even let me know what it is. They're just going to do it. They're just going to, you know, tell me we're live on the show, and then we'll talk it out right there on the show as as far as what the workout's going to be, and give it to you guys. And then hopefully, we'll see some of you guys trying them out, tagging them, uh, tagging the workout, and uh, you know, seeing what happens on Instagram. Basically, I want to get that interaction up. I want to talk to you. I want you guys to talk to me, and I want to have some fun with it. So those are the two new segments that are coming out, and of course, we're going to do, be doing the big episodes where we sit down and talk to um, you know different people in all different genres. You're going to see, you know, sometimes we're going to have a little bit heavy on the fitness side. Sometimes we'll be more on music, movies, you name it. I'm out there trying to talk to everybody. So if you have somebody that you uh, want me to talk to, again, drop in the DMs. Let me know, and I will do what I can to get them on the show. As far as this week, man, it's a longer episode than normal, but I hope that you enjoyed it. So head on over to whatever you're listening to it on and and drop us a review. Give us a five star and uh, we'll get this podcast up in the ratings and up in the rankings and uh, to infinity and beyond. So big thanks to all of you for listening. Big thanks to once again, I want to give a shout out to the Morning Chalk Up. Um, They are the basically place to go for fitness related news. Make sure you check them out. Uh, they did a nice little piece uh, a few weeks back talking about podcasts to listen to, and they graciously put us on the list as one of the podcasts that's kind of CrossFit adjacent. So we're in the fitness field, but we're not exclusively about CrossFit. But uh, huge thanks to them and some opportunities that are coming up because of that. Uh, we'll be going down to Wadapalooza in January. So if you are going to Wadapalooza, by all means, come and say hi. I might have a shirt for you. I'm a little short on sizes, but we'll see what we can do. And uh, come say hi. And maybe, hey, I'll interview you too. We'll have some, we'll have some fun. But for this week, that's going to do it. You guys have an amazing rest of the week and look forward to next week and our next episode coming up. Uh, We got a few interviews going. uh, So It'll be a surprise to see who pops up first. We will talk to you soon. Have a great day. Peace.